everyone. I'm Chris Lang for the Virginia State Golf Association, and welcome to this episode of the VSGA's Golf in the Commonwealth podcast. We have a good episode on tap today as we're joined by Sean Patterson, the PGA Director of Golf at Willow Oaks Country Club in Richmond. We recorded this on a brilliant sunny Tuesday at the club along the James River, and we thank Sean for taking some time away to chat as he was preparing for the Willow Oaks Four Ball Invitational, scheduled for this weekend. Our discussion centered on a subject that is important to Patterson, battling golf's mental demons. The difference between a very talented golfer and an elite golfer is often found between the ears, and one of Patterson's specialties as a coach and teacher is helping the player find the mental strength to overcome difficult situations on the golf course so he or she can still shoot a strong score. Patterson was on the bag for Willow Oaks member Joey Jordan at the recent U.S. Mid-Amateur Championship at Aaron Hills in Wisconsin, so we talk a lot about that experience and how Jordan, a very talented player, took the leap towards being an elite player this summer because of the strides that he made in his mental outlook toward the game. I hope you'll enjoy this conversation with Sean Patterson. Let's get right to it. All right, Sean, thanks for joining us today. Um, wanted to ask you a little bit about yourself first. How did you get here at uh, Willow Oaks, and what was kind of your path into uh, being a golf professional? Yeah, certainly, Chris. Thank you. Um, you know, I've been here at Willow Oaks now seven years. Um, fortunately, you know, this past year, um, uh, they promoted me to the director of golf. Um, you know, I feel super fortunate to be here. Um, you know, learned, obviously, a lot of things from Richard White over the last seven years. Um, previous to that, um, I was at uh, a club in Hilton Head, South Carolina, um, and then... I spent a very short period of time in between the club that I was at in Hilton Head and here at Brandmill Country Club. Um, so, you know, really there, the mix of being in Hilton Head and, and working with the IJGA um, and those tournament players, I learned a lot of teaching stuff through um, from Peter Krause, spent a lot of hours with Peter Krause um, and was able to kind of hone my skills there. But then when I got to Brandermill, I just, you know, really started teaching a lot on my own. And I think really for the most part, you know, when you start teaching a lot on your own, you give a lot of, <laughs> you know, I wouldn't say throwaway lessons, but you learn a lot about yourself and your delivery and um, the things that work and the things that don't work, um, especially when it comes to the 10 to 20 handicap range. Here at Willow Oaks, we've always kind of been known for having, you know, really good players. And that's when I started to really kind of dive into not necessarily the the teaching aspect as much, but we you know when you start to work with these these good tournament players, I say, I say all the time, good players don't get out of swing, they get out of line. You know, so we we either talk about um, strategy or alignment or tempo or or things that you know because they're not going to make any huge changes, and it's not earth shattering. I mean, they already a lot of them already hit really really good shots, anyways. So it's about you know, making sure that they're doing the things that they, they feel and the things that they're doing the correct way. Um, and I'm just really a, a second set of eyes for those guys. Um, I got into golf, the golf business through a guy named David Wilding, uh, who was a director of golf that um, uh, he was worked at Harbor Town and he worked at a lot of really nice places down in Hilton Head. And he and I just always really got along. Um, and he always pushed me to, to get into the PGA and, and do the PGA program. Um, and he always used to say I had it. I don't really know whatever that whatever that meant, you know. But uh, he encouraged me to to, to kind of go down this road, um, and I'm fortunate to have mentors like David. Uh, we still talk, so it's good. Where did you go to school then? Uh, VCU. Okay. Yeah. So I consider uh, I consider Richmond home. Originally, I'm from Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh area, um, but I do consider Richmond home. So uh, yeah, I spent some time at VCU. I was an art major. You know, I never really got into golf until I was, you know, in college. Um, I was always a, a really good athlete. Um, I was always pretty good at golf. I come from what I would consider a golf family. 
Um, you know, my dad, my brother, they played golf. Still do. Um, but I was a hockey player. Hmm. You know, I played hockey growing up uh, my whole life. Still do. Um, so I think a lot of things transition from hockey to golf pretty easily. Um, mainly how the upper body works, how your shoulders work. Um, there's a more external rotation out of the shoulders than there are in any other sport with hockey. So that obviously transitions pretty well into to the golf swing. I say that's why a lot of hockey guys like to play golf. Unfortunately for both of our teams, they were playing it too early last year. But maybe things get a little bit better this year. But that's uh, that's right. That's just, right. Uh, full, full disclaimer: I know you're a Penguins fan. I'm a Capitals fan. We we'll, we'll, we'll be civil here for this conversation. Though, so that is correct. Um, so you took the non-traditional, I suppose a lot of people go to Methodist or Campbell or Coastal Carolina PGM program to to kind of ease into the business. So so, so what made you want to get into actual? Uh, golf professional business? You know, I don't know, to be honest with you. Um, I, I think it's the people, you know, truth. I'm a people person, you know, I've got no problem talking to strangers. Um, I think it's just something that, you know, is an, I have a knack for is just kind of being able to talk to people and that's what golf professionals do best, yeah. you know, uh, mingle with the membership and, and really just, just talk to people and get to know people. And the, the more you create the relationships with not only the membership, but just the people in general, like, you know, everyone over at the VSGA, um, it's just something that I really enjoy. And I think, you know, for me, if I'm not doing something that I enjoy, um, it's hard to, to be vested and to really buy in. Um, I'm just fortunate that I do. I love what I do. Um, and I get to be around awesome people every day. Yeah. One of the things that we had talked about, uh, for, before this conversation is kind of the battling the mental demons sort of thing as, yeah. as, as part of golf. And I know that I talked to Mark Lawrence Jr. about it at the state open and, you know, the margins are so thin once you get to a, a level talent wise, you know, you're, you're up here, everybody's up here. So how do you separate yourself? Do you kind of feel like that's the huge part, the mental game of, of making a player go from really good to elite? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I truthfully think, I think the big separate, the separator um, is honesty. I think it's about, you know, the players themselves being honest with themselves when it comes to uh, bad shots or, or poor decisions. Um, if they're able to be honest with themselves and not be able to justify a bad shot and be able to blame it on something, you know, golf is like the only game where the player themselves really know, like within themselves about like, what's going on. <laughs> I joke. Um, I stole, you know, you steal stuff from, you know, people as you, as you try to educate yourself and continue your education. But, you know, you, you I listen and, and have read everything that Bob Rotella has read, um, or written and he, he not, he doesn't only help golfers, but he helps athletes all over the world. Um, and you know, even when he's talking to other athletes, he always says, you know, the golf ball doesn't, the golf ball doesn't lie, mm -hmm. you know, ball doesn't lie. Um, and the golf ball always knows what you're thinking. You know, it's kind of funny, you know, because, um, and when you, when you're able to separate yourself, um, from, you know, the field, I think it comes down to, to the, to the honesty portion of it, you know, um, <laughs> good golfers always say that, you know, they'll, they hit it where the last thing they thought about, you know, um, and I think being able to stay focused and stay in the moment and be able to, uh, focus in and hone in on target and solely do that, um, you know, the golf ball should t intentionally go there, especially at that high level. You know, I think that's the ultimate separator. Um, you know, it's, uh, and then being honest with yourself, you know, did you, did you make a poor decision? Did you 
commit to the to the target or did you commit to you know the mental state before you actually you know made a golf swing at that level those guys aren't thinking about their golf swings mm-hmm. you know they're they're either thinking about what's going to go right or what's going to go wrong and that's the difference truthfully right you know we wake up in the morning we don't say to walk we put our feet on the ground we don't say left foot right foot left foot right foot it's a, it's a it's a subconscious thing that allows us to walk it's the same thing with golf. It's a subconscious thing that allows you to execute certain shots. Um, but being able to mentally say, all right, you know, high fade, low draw, straight ball, you know, um, this, you have to trust your subconscious to be able to take over at that point um, and then just kind of walk, you know. Is there like an in-round preparation that really kind of takes root there as well as you'll see guys like, we watched Evan Beck all weekend at the at the VSJ Mid Amateur Championship, and he, you know, he drives the cart way ahead to to, to take a look at everything and, and kind of visualize everything that's going to go into the shot, and not just sort of hit something blind. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, you have to, and, and the preparation is is there. You know, obviously, you know, you, you get guys that anyway at that level, they're playing golf courses that they've never seen before, or have mm-hmm. seen in a practice round, or have seen once or twice. Um, so they don't know where, where all the bad, real bad spots are. Um, you know, and systems like decade golf, um, you know, are allow players to kind of start to map certain areas based on their tendencies. Um, but yeah, I mean, visualization is, 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 is huge. It's probably the number one when it comes to the mental side of the, of the game and being able to visualize targets and landing zones is, you know, is great. With that being said, you know, I think you gotta have, a, you know, need to have a lot of imagination when it comes to it as well. Um, because you're at that point you're playing golf and you're not playing golf swing, you know, and there's another difference to a lot of people, you know, you look at people and they're going through pre-shot routines and they're trying to gain a feel or, or they're working on something and you can see it. Um, but the really, really good players are sticking to the same thing every time in a certain routine. Um, and they're using their imagination to visualize these shots. Uh, you know, you bring up Mark Lawrence when I was with Joey, um, at the mid amateur, um, you know, he got on a call with Mark and, um, you know, I know Mark, has been, he's been working on, you know, a lot of mental stuff as well. Um, and the, the best thing that Mark could have told him was just like, you know, you know, you're going to be nervous, you know, step up on that first tee. Do you have a target picked out? And just, you think about that shot from now until you hit it, you know, on that first mm-hmm. tee. Um, and it's, it, it, it's so, he's so spot on, you know, um, it's, being able to mentally prepare yourself for that moment. And if a golfer tells you that they're not nervous on the first tee, then they're lying. You know, golf, whether it be you're teeing it up in a Nassau on the weekend or you're teeing it up in, you know, a, a big event, you know, you're nervous because it means something to you. You know, you feel, and it's good to feel those nerves, but more importantly, to be able to tackle those nerves on the first tee, just prepare yourself mentally that you're actually going to be nervous. Don't get there and be surprised by the nerves. Cause then that compounds it and that makes it worse. You know, then you'll start to do certain things, but the more you tee it up and the more nervous you get, then the more you're going to be in tune with what tendencies you have. And then it's like, okay, well I can prepare for this. And then you can kind of work backwards that way. For sure. Um, we were talking about Joey Jordan. Uh, he's a guy that's a Willow Oaks member that a very, uh, high level player who's had a pretty good year this year. He had a chance to go uh, qualify for the U S mid amateur championship um, he was second in our uh, VSGA four ball with Drew Brockwell. So uh, a guy that clearly has some talent can hit the ball a mile. What was the difference to get him from a guy with a lot of talent that can hit the ball a mile to a guy that's mentally in tune with himself and can get him in uh, to the U.S. mid-amateur? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, with Joey, um, 
it's funny because when Joey and I get together, it's, it's, we always, it's talking about golf. It's not necessarily, you know, talking about his golf swing. Um, it's talking about, you know, certain scenarios, um, and, and, and being mentally prepared for certain moments. Um, but a guy like Joey, you know, his biggest feat was qualifying, you know, I think, and not just qualifying for that event specifically, but just qualifying in general, you know, he always talks about, oh, I hate qualifying. You know, it's, it's so hard. Well, yeah, it's, it's hard to qualify for anything. You know, you've got a hundred players in a field. Every one of them can probably crack 70 and have done so. That's why they're there. But can they do it in that moment? You know, I've seen Joey out here, you know, 63, you know, 64, 66, whatever. He's always, you know, and then it's like, when is he going to have his moment? When is he going to be able to turn it around and, 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 you know, and make that jump into that high level and top tier of players? I certainly think that, you know, being around guys like Steve Soreo, mm-hmm. um, you know, here have definitely helped him, you know, mentally prepare for those moments, including his father, you know, you know, David Jordan himself is a good player. You know, all three of those guys made the, the captain's putter team. Um, I think that's a huge thing for Willow Oaks just to, because, you know, three guys from the same club on that team um, is huge. And, um, but I think, you know, Joey having those guys and being able to be in his corner, um, you know, and the entire club kind of being in his corner because we know that the, the, the talent level is there. Um, but it's mentally preparing himself. And in the fashion that he did it, you know, really, I think was the big ultimate, um, you know, stamp on, Hey, I can, I can do this. You know, he made double on the first hole. Right. Then he made a bogey on the fifth hole. So he's three over in an 18 hole qualifier. You know, most guys are checking out. It's funny after I talked to him, you know, uh, he was so, he was so excited. You know, he calls me on his way home after the qualifier and he's like, you know, he's like, I finally did it, you know? Um, and he was like, you know, he's like, I know I made double in the first one. He made a bogey. He was like, but I would rather be two or three over through five than two or three over through 16. He's like, because I know that I've got the firepower and I know that I can, you know, come home and make, you know, five or six birdies, either get this thing back to even or, or whatever. And he mentally stayed focused in what he was doing. He one shot at a time and, and trusted himself. And he truthfully believed in himself that he can do it. And that's where the mental side of it starts. Mm-hmm. You know, it's positive affirmation. It's words of affirmation. It's talking to yourself and self-belief, because if you don't believe it, then no, nobody else is going to, right? Um, but you have to truthfully believe in yourself and always be positive and have that positivity um, to be able to do it. And he stayed positive and, and he got it done, you know? And that was the theme leading up to the mid-am, mm-hmm. staying positive. He, he was very rarely at the range, you know, getting mentally prepared. I had an opportunity to sit down and talk with Andy Walker, the coach of the VCU men's golf team. And, you know, he said something to me that was almost earth-shattering that I had not really heard before, but it's so true. He said, he sat his guys down in the team room and, um, he said, what percentage of this game is mental? You know, for those guys, division one college athletes, you know, you get answers between 75 and 95%, hundred percent. They all answered it. And they said, well, how often are you all working on your mental game? Are you working on it 95% of the time? Are you working on it 75% of the time? And I thought to myself, I was like, man, it's so powerful, mm. you know? Um, and the beauty about working on your mental game is, you know, we're golfers. We think about golf all the time, you know, you know, working on it, whether it be, you know, the night before the round, laying in bed, thinking about that first tee shot or, you know, constantly, you know, having words of affirmation or, or creating a post shot routine, you know, after you hit a shot, you know, I tell guys all the time, ask yourself three questions, you know, did you, you know, were you in a positive state of mind? Did you commit? Did you execute? Um, if you answer two of those three questions correctly, the outcome should be okay. Um, but if you, you answer them and oh, you're 0 for 3, chances are you're not hitting a good shot. Um, and that also allows them 
to be truthful to themselves as well. It helps them down that road of, of buying into themselves and, and being truthful to themselves and not justifying, um, oh, well, the wind did this and the wind changed and mud ball this or whatever, you know, um, be truthful. Like, you know, it's okay to be like, hey, I just, I made a bad swing. I, I didn't commit to the shot. I had water left. I've been tugging it a little bit all day, you know, blocked it right or, or whatever, you know, um, there's no commitment in that. It's the, I can do this, but I can't do this mentality. Um, and then you got to prepare yourself for other outcomes too. Like when we were talking, you know, talking about Joey, going back to Joey, he was like, I just want to be like, you know, even par through five or six holes in, in, uh, at the mid-am, you know, just to kind of settle myself another round. I asked him, I said, what happens if you're four or five under through five or six holes? I said, are you mentally prepared for, for that? You know, because things like that can go, certainly go sideways. Yeah. And, you know, and we all know at that level, you can, they, you have, all those players have that ability, you know, to come out and make three or four birdies out the gate. Um, but I think it's being prepared for all outcomes or whether you're four or five over. And again, you know, in, in typical Joey fashion, you know, he, he uh, in the qualifying, he got a bad break on, um, on a hole, um, caught a flyer and the rough out there was kind of crazy because mm-hmm. it was early in the morning, a lot of dew, wind was tricky because it's so wide open. I've never been to Wisconsin, <laughs> you know, so, um, you know, and it hit a wedge, like, you know, it was like, oh, we had like 141 flag and, and I had the opportunity obviously to be on the bag for Joey and, and um, it was 141 flag and he hit a wedge and it went like 180 yards, <laughs> you know, up against the collar off of a tee box. And uh, anyways, bad break makes a really good five um, and then proceeds to make a good par on the next hole. And then he makes a good swing on the, his eighth hole of the day. And I was on a par three. Hits center of the green, rolls back, kind of gets a bad break, goes into a bad bunker area, short-sided. And he's beating himself up over it. He makes double. And he's beating himself up over it, you know. And I just look at him and say, listen, man, I would rather make a double making a good swing than making a double and making a bad swing. And I think that moment right there really turned the switch for him. And then he made three birdies coming in, shot even par, and really checked the box to be able to put himself into contention to, to make the cut. Um, at the mid-amp, you know, to try to get into that top 64. You know, the weather and all the other right. stuff, you know, kind of happened. And, you know, you sit in a hotel room for two days, you know, you're waiting, you know, to go play golf, trying to keep his mind off of things. He's like, man, I came here to play golf. He's like, I'm just ready to go, you know. Um, but it was a good opportunity for both of us yeah. um, to see the, all the players at that level. Um, but also to be there um, with him was was certainly something special, something that I'll never forget. Um, and it was really cool. No, say, so what do you think you learned from just seeing guys like Stu Hagestad and the Michael McCoys and guys like that up close? The the, the ones that are always in the, the you know Scott Harvey in contention for these prestigious mid am titles across the country. Yeah, we had an opportunity. We played golf. We played a practice round with uh, Scott Shingler. Nice. And um, you know, just exchanging the stories and the stuff that he has and the wisdom that he has. I mean, he's getting ready to play in his 16th USGA. Uh, championship um, at the four ball next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the mid am was his 15th, which is something that's crazy impressive. Um, and, you know, we got to catch up, you know, I was, we were sitting in the hotel room and you know, I was talking with Scott and then Scott Harvey walks by and he sits down and he starts talking to us and stuff. So it was cool. But the, the, and it came out of Joey's mouth. We're on the putting green. And uh, he was like, man, he's like, these guys don't do anything that impressive. You know, he's like, they just don't get it in trouble. Right. You know, um, it, I think for him, I don't know if he expected to get there and and be like, man, these guys have something that I don't. Um, or, you know, there's a tool out there maybe laying around that he doesn't have. 
Um, but he's got all the tools. And I think the the fact that he was able to realize that and be there um, certainly has added fuel to his fire. And, you know, he can't wait for the next opportunity to, to whether it be a qualifier for, for whatever or play in the next event. Um, I think, you know, for him, he belonged out there. Um, and, you know, those guys, seeing him up close, um, you know, we were in the same draw as Hagstead. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, you know, I'm peeking over and watching hit balls in the range and watching those guys go through their routines on the putting greens. Um, you know, there's a sense of calmness about them. Um, and they're certainly very relaxed on the outside. But, I mean, I'm sure, you know, it means a lot to those guys. That's why they do it. I'm sure they're nervous. I'm sure they have nerves. I'm sure they're battling their own mental demons um, and whatever it may be. You know, but for the most part, you know, it's the sense of calmness that I saw, you know, out of those guys and going through their routines, you know, every day, whether it be on the range or around the putting green or the short game areas. Um, We had the opportunity to play. We were paired with the guy, um, Nick Macario. You know, he was great. He took it pretty deep in the mid-end last year. I think he made it all the way to the quarters um, and shot a super impressive round in the first round. Um, and Joey was like, you know, I, I, you know, he's good, um, but he just, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't make any really, really mistakes. Um, and he kind of just ho-hum. It looks like he's playing on a Sunday morning. It's not that he's not focused, but he's, he's you know, keeping it pretty light um, and he's enjoying himself. And I think that's really the big thing is, are you having fun doing it? Right. Um, you know, so, um, Nick, unfortunately did not make the cut. Um, but it was cool to see, you know, uh, him up close and personal and watch how he kind of navigates the golf course. You know, the biggest thing that I will say is that those guys don't ever press if they don't feel comfortable. Mm. They take what the golf course is giving them. Um, and they really, um, they usually hit it where they can see it. Um, if there's a certain blind shot in an Aaron Hills, there's tons of blind shots, but you know, yeah, you can, you know, and it's hit it over here because I can see where it lands. I can, and I can really visualize the shot. Um, and it's opportunities where they get those blind shots where they don't quite trust it or they don't visualize it or they're skeptical about the line or unsure about the line that they took in the practice round. Um, you know, I think it's, they, they hit it where they see it and they go find it and they hit it again. You know, they just, they do what they're good at. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they don't try to do anything out of their out of their range, you know. Um, they take the certain shot, mm. which is is something that I think we can all learn from. Oh, for yeah. sure. You know, stepping up and just because the the hole demands a, a, a right to left tee ball, you know. Well, if you're not comfortable from turning it right to left, don't try it. You know, take what's certain. You know, and if it gets narrow up there, back off a little bit of the club and hit your little fade down there. You know, just because it goes from right to left, you don't have to hit it that way. You have to hit the shot that you're comfortable hitting. Yeah, it goes back to your point about imagination, too. It's, you know, what what works for you, what, it's not going to work for everybody else and vice versa. Right. So, yeah. Right. Exactly. You know, it's don't do what everybody else is doing. You know, and that's what separates. I think that's truthfully what separates people is they do what they're comfortable in doing and they believe in themselves to be able to do what they're doing. Not don't do what everybody else is doing. If you're doing what everybody else is doing, you're doing it wrong. Do something, be different. You know, yeah. <laughs> be you, play you, you know, and that's, that's the great thing about golf is, is there's no right or wrong way to do it. Yeah. You know, there's a, there are certain ways and certain preferences, but, um, yeah, there's a certain way to shoot a basketball. There's no certain way to swing a golf club. 
you know, you look at all these swings on tour now, they're, they're definitely more modern and a lot of them look very similar. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, you know, Scotty Scheffler comes along and it's like, who's this guy? You know, he doesn't do it any, anything necessarily in the textbook. Right. It's at the middle of club face. So yeah, you got to do that. <laughs> yeah. But there's different ways to get there. There's Whatever works for your body. You that's know? exactly right. You know, um, and I'm sure, you know, plenty of coaches over the time, you know, probably looked at him and said, well, he's got, we got to calm his feet down. We got to do this. We got to do that. We got to do that. You don't have to do anything if he's hitting it solid, you know, let the kid gather and play. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, do you get as, as much satisfaction out of helping a, a guy like Joey go from, you know, uh, take that next step t- towards being an elite guy as you do as uh, taking a 25 handicap and ha- having that person break 90 for the first time? Is there like a different level of satisfaction between those two things? Or they- you know, I don't know. I mean, there, I certainly get satisfaction out of both, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I love working with beginners, you know, I love setting the expectations saying, Hey, listen, you know, today's actually, we're going to get three balls airborne today, mm-hmm. you know, um, and we're gonna have fun doing it. You know, I think there's, I certainly think there's less pressure, uh, on a coach when it comes to working with a beginner than it is working with a high level tournament player. Um, but the love language isn't quite there. The communication level um, isn't quite there because, you know, all good players and, and instructors and anybody that's in the golf industry or around it or plays golf speaks the golf language. I think a lot of times as instructors, you know, when we get into those uh, beginner lessons or those 20 handicaps, there's certain terminology that we take for granted. Mm. Um, you know, all right, well, you know, let's go ahead and let's, let's grip it and take your stance. Well, I'm sorry, stance. What do you mean by stance? Right. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, let me dial it back for a second real quick. And that's okay. You know, and any young instructor out there, I would encourage you to say, Hey, listen, like, you know, don't take the terminology for granted, you know, develop a love language with the person that you're, that you're out there with. Um, and you know, like I said, you you have to set a certain expectation for that person, you know, but I love it. You know, when they, they hit three balls airborne in a row and they hit the fourth and they're so excited. Um, you know, it makes me excited. That's why I do what I do. I mean, it's awesome, you know, to be able to help that person achieve certain goals and whether it be, you know, qualify for the mid and make the cut or, you know, give somebody the tools to go out and play nine holes successfully. Um, and I, turn that person to something that's going to come back again and again. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and, uh, that's, that's really why I do what I do. I think all the other stuff with the, with the tournament players and the high level guys, I mean, and girls, I think it's just, I think that's kind of just icing on the cake for me, truthfully. Yeah. You know, because I give way more lessons to the 25 handicaps than I do the zeros. You know, like I said, good players don't get out of swing, they get out of line. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, what was the biggest thing you learned maybe about yourself as a coach with, with that experience of going up to Aaron Hills and being on the bag for someone like that? Um, I mean, you know, for me, um, just just being involved in something like that was was certainly validating. Um, I don't necessarily have ever been somebody to, to like market myself to to go out and and you know post you know swing videos and stuff like that um, on on social media. Not saying that there's anything wrong with it, um, but at the end of the day, I've got a membership that I got to take care of. You know, um, and you know. For me to be out there and have that experience, um, especially with Joey, um, was kind of validating for me, you know, just to be like, you know what, you know, I am here um, because of what I do. Um, And, you know, Joey has trusted me to be here and and help him through this process. Um, And that itself was the ultimate compliment, you know. 
because everybody, and, and, and I know, you know, Joey, he's, he's outgoing. He's got, you know, everybody loves Joey. Um, and I was just honored the fact that he, you know, was like, Hey man, like I, I, I kind of, I want you on the bag. I want you to be there. Um, because, you know, not only as, as, as kind of like my guy would go to for golf, but just as a, as a friend to help me out through this process and, and be there, you know, for the ups and the downs. Um, it was pretty cool. You know, at the end of the day, he was bummed at, on Tuesday afternoon. He was bummed after the delays and everything. And we still kind of were always kind of right there, kind of in it, needed to make a couple birdies coming home. Um, and things didn't necessarily go our way, but we're sitting there having lunch afterwards. And he was like, hey, man, what do you want to do? I was like, well, flight doesn't leave till tomorrow morning. He's like, ugh. I was like, come on, man, let's, let's go watch the playoff. And they had a 17 for 11. And he was like, I'm not going to watch any golf. I was like, no. I was like, we're going to go watch it, you know? And afterwards, he was like, man, I'm really glad we did that because it, it made him hungry. But it also made him, you know, look at all these guys. And, you know, he's like, you know, you got to kind of beat yourself up a little bit to be a competitor. Um, but it was, I think that was kind of the nail um, that really, for him, that drove it home that he can't wait for the next crack at it. You know, so really to answer your question, you know, for me, it was just validating to be there. Yeah. <laughs> well, do you have anything else you want to add about? Uh... No, I mean, this is awesome. So thank you for sure. You know, um, you know, there's really nothing else that, that I've got, you know, when it comes to, you know, the mental side of things, I think, you know, to kind of just wrap it up, you know, um, you know, believe in yourself, you know, if you don't believe in yourself, it's probably never going to happen. Um, you know, or you're hoping for an outcome that you truthfully don't believe you're hoping for an outcome. Um, that you don't truthfully believe in yourself that you can do, um, you know, you can do anything, you know, when it comes to the game, um, you know, once you can get the ball airborne, you know, it's, you know, from there, sky's the limit. Um, you're always going to put in, you're always going to get out of it what you put into it. Um, and you know, for those of you out there that, that want to work on that metal game, you know, start to start to really believe in yourself, but really just put it at the forefront. You know, you're not going to get better mentally hitting balls on the range for three hours. You know, you're going to get better mentally um, putting yourself in uncomfortable situations and having a small win, whether that be a successful first tee shot in a tournament um, or, you know, being able to overcome adversity after you make a double on the first hole and then being able to qualify. Once you put yourself in those moments and the more opportunity that you give yourself to put yourself in those moments, um, it's a, and you have a small win, then you continue to build off of those little wins. Just as human beings in general, we need a win every day. Yeah. You know, we need a small win every day. Um, you know, whether that be, you know, uh, getting a good night's sleep or, <laughs> um, you know, having a, a successful day at work um, or, you know, having a really good nine holes round of golf. You know, we, all, we need a, a small win uh, every day. And uh, I think it just makes uh, us as human beings just better people. Um, to be able to have those. And then it just makes us, you know, easier to be around. <laughs> <laughs> I understand that. Yeah. Well, good words end on there, Sean. We really appreciate your time today and uh, look forward to talking to you in the future. Right. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate it. Again, we thank Sean for his time on this episode of Golf in the Commonwealth. And we hope you might have gleaned together a few tips that might help you the next time you find yourself in a tough spot during your round. I'd also like to give a quick shout out to Willow Oaks for being a strong supporter of the VSGA. Willow Oaks has been the host to multiple VSGA championships in recent years, including the four ball, women's stroke plays, junior match play, and next year, the senior amateur. The club has also hosted VSGA board meetings and annual meetings, and is the home club of VSGA board president, Ann Griever, and VSGA board member, Mark Raper. That will do it for this episode. Thanks for listening, and until next time, so long.